Why don't you just give up now? Welcome to the GNA Podcast, Games, Nerds, and Alcohol, where we get drunk and talk about stuff. And I got to admit right now, I'm nerding out pretty hard. Like, on a scale of 1 to 11, I'm like a 23 right now. We're going to get into that. Only a 23? <laughs> Only a 23. So you heard him. We got Zyber joining us tonight. Zyber, how you feeling, man? I'm feeling pretty good, man. I, I'm tapping into that Japanese whiskey tonight. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, we'll get into that and uh, what, what we're drinking here in just a second. We also got D coming back. D's actually going to be kicking off to Germany here soon. So we actually dragged him back just for a quick show before he has to go and move off. And then who knows when we'll get him back. But D, how you feeling, man? Pretty good, mate. Pretty good. Blue Shark, of course, has joined us tonight. He's neither blue nor a shark nor 45. How you feeling, man? I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And I can't believe that we spent all that time getting Mike mute to work for him when he's going to leave for Germany. <laughs> um, and we're being joined via tonight by a very special guest, uh, the lead developer of Addictor Productions, producer, all-around cool guy, bringer of the 13th Doll, a fan-made game based on the 1993 hit The Seventh Guest, Ryan Holcamp. Ryan, how you feeling, man? Hey, pretty good. A little nervous, but uh, pretty good. Thanks thanks for having me on, guys. I, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate the intro. Uh, Absolutely. I'm not sure how special I am. Maybe a little special ed. But. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you can't possibly be as nervous as I am. <laughs> so I think well, I appreciate good. that. And you can't nearly be as special as D. Hey, I'm, I'm former Army. I get about as special as it is. <laughs> Um, so most important thing, uh, what is everybody drinking? So let's, let's reverse that round. Uh, Ryan, are you drinking anything with us tonight? Yeah, I thought I would represent, I'm from Iowa. So I thought I'd represent Iowa and I'm drinking, uh, an XL Ruthie, uh, just a pretty simple lager, pretty easy drinking from XL Brewery out of Des Moines. Very nice. What's it like? Um, it's, it's pretty smooth. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge, uh, beer connoisseur i kind of drink whatever i got and um it just it's just easy drinking in fact i like everything from exile they have a, they have a pretty good beat they're pretty good sour i'm a, I'm a kind of kind of a fruity guy uh so i like the sours and uh they have a beatnik sour that's really great and yeah this one i, I don't know just pretty simple and pretty easy drinking and uh yeah i recommend it i don't know how how broad scale they are i don't know if they're like nationwide or just local here to iowa but check them out if you can well, the fun part is, is that we've got people all over the place and we can ship beers. So that's awesome. I'm going to have to check those guys out. What about you, D? What are you drinking, man? Well, I actually uh, drinking something a little special tonight. Um, as you know, a good buddy of mine from when uh, I've known him since like third or fourth grade. Uh, he's also a, a veteran. He has his own veteran-owned business. He has a brewery up at, uh, I think it's uh, Essex Junction, Vermont, uh, called First Republic Brewing Company. Great beer. Yes, I'm drinking the Ardent Concession IPA, Indian Pale Ale, and it uh, 
when I cracked it open, I just got that nice waft of uh, fruity flavors, and it's a it's an IPA, but it isn't overpowering. It's really smooth, and it goes down excellent. It's one of the better IPAs I've had. <sighs> Very tasty. Very nice. Very nice. Anything anything like specific about it that makes it really great? It's just it's it's a little bit more mellow than some of the other IPAs I've had. You still get that bitterness right on the attack, and then it kind of mellows out to more of a fruity flavor. And uh, it's pretty mellow at a 6.5% alcohol. So it's uh, pretty good. I'm not sure what it's, um, how it rates on the scale of uh, bitter, but uh, I'll have to look that up later. But it's pretty good. Very nice. What about you, Zyber? What are you drinking, man? Well, like I said, I am partaking of this uh, um, AOA. I- I'm-, I'm not going to say it right. Uh, I W A I Iowa I Iowa whatever um, <laughs> Japanese whiskey. Um, oh yeah, yeah. How is that? Well, it is definitely a mixer, not a sipper. Mm, okay. Um, I tried a, a draft of it sip wise, and it's like, oh yeah, this is definitely a mixer, but it's it's like a a stage one bourbon. Um. And they did a pretty good job of it, but like the flavors don't really come out until you start adding, like, say, cola to it, or something of that that nature. Uh, that really takes away the alcohol, like uh, a broth. Oh, the bite. Yeah. yeah. Once you uh, pacify that bite, all the flavors come out that are in it. It's actually quite pleasant when it's mixed. Very nice. What about you, Blue? What are you drinking, man? Sorry, I was looking at how to pronounce that whiskey's name. Um, <laughs> uh, I didn't get the didn't get to that part of the video, unfortunately. But anyway, <laughs> I'm enjoying uh, Captain Morgan Private Stock. Um, I just scooped out the rest of the ice because I felt like it was going to get too saturated there. Um, mm. I like it with a little bit of water, kind of opens it up, melts it out just a little bit, uh, flavor wise, brings in more of those sweet notes to it. Uh, it's definitely, like I've said before, it's got that, um, nice smooth taste when you add in a little bit of water to open it up. It does have a slight burn without it. Um, but I like things cold cause it's hot here in Florida and, uh, I'm enjoying that just with ice as is no changes, not needed. If you want to mix it, I think juice is in a bad place, uh, to start. I don't know about soda, though, because sometimes things like Coke will drown out the flavor. Hmm. Okay. Well, I myself, uh, I started off pre-graining a little early today. We'll call those nerves. Uh, I had a, a Hoplift IPA, which was a really nice, easy-drinking IPA. In fact, if you just like a nice, easy-drinking beer, I would definitely go with that. It's, very, it's uh, a little bitter, fairly smooth, and super cheap. So that's kind of the really nice part of it. Uh, jumped over into a little bit of pirate rum because I love pirate rum. And now I've actually shifted over for the show to an old classic, the Dark Hollow. Dark Hollow is an imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels. And it is really nice, really smooth, got a nice bourbon barrel flavor to it. But it hits like a freight train uh, if you're not careful because they come in big boy bottles like a pint and a half. And... At about 10% by volume, they will hit you pretty darn hard. But next segment, before we before we get too far into, into booze, because I can talk forever about booze, 
State of Games. Uh, State of Games is where we just pontificate about how we feel games are today, or we talk about what we've been playing for the past week. So let's reverse that back around. Blue Shark, what's your State of Games there, boss? Well, I had uh, the chance to finally start playing Ghost Recon Breakpoint, the full release. It's uh, It's been better than the beta, but there's still some little bugs in it i'd have to say um radar doesn't show um unless i have like my current objective showing as well which kind of uh it crowds the screen and then there's also the issue with uh when i go to hold my breath for aiming it kind of uh obscures my view of what i'm looking at i don't know if that was something that they've decided to add in to kind of keep you from i guess having a little bit of uh an edge that's the only thing I can think of or to actually if it is a glitch. All in all, I am happy with the game. And uh, I've also been still playing some uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and I am still in love with that game. Oh, it's a great game. I can't, I can't imagine why you wouldn't be in love with it. That's a lot of double negatives there. Yes, that is a lot of double <laughs> negatives. You're going to confuse our audience. They've been drinking enough as it is, Cecil. How dare you? <laughs> uh, what about you, Zyber? What's your state games there, man? I have been still jumping back and forth between uh, Link's Awakening and Smash. That's pretty much it. Well, I mean, honestly, to jump back and forth between two games, those are two great games to jump back and forth through. Yeah, I mean, I can smash in my car. I can adventure (laughs) in my car. I can do a lot of stuff in my car, it seems. (laughs) In that mini, yeah. Yeah, that that mini can hold a lot. What about you, D? What's your state of games there, man? Well, I've been pretty much uh, nerding out on the Switch. I've been loving the Nintendo Switch lately with everything coming out. Uh, I've been playing, of course, Link's Awakening, uh, especially with the kids. I've been playing uh, the released updated graphics, the original three Dragon Quests from the NES, so I've been playing the heck out of those. And I'm planning on doing a little bit of a uh, review video. I actually picked up, uh, which is still boxed, a Switch Lite to play around with and to do a video on. Nice. That'll be uh, that'll be interesting. Let me know when you get that video out. I definitely want to watch it. I've heard some things about the Switch Lite, and I'm I'm curious of your of your take on it. Yeah, so I'm gonna probably start start that process tonight. So after the after the podcast, very cool. Um, Ryan, do you have a state of games? Um, yeah, mostly I'm working on games. I'm <laughs> working on developing <laughs> our game, um, so I don't have a whole lot of free time, but. Honestly, what I've been playing more than anything is pinball. I've got a couple of machines at my house, and I built a, a virtual pinball machine lately, so I've been, been play, playing that a lot. It's got like 500 tables set up. That's awesome. And uh, Yeah, so... You mean the you mean the old-style pinball machines, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the big, heavy, you know, two-foot-wide, four-foot-deep pinball machines, yeah. Love I've those things. Old, I've got an old Cyclone it's from, like, 1988, and I've got a haunted house. From around 82. Nice. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've got the V-Pin, so. That is awesome. And uh, it, it the only problem is they take up a lot of floor space, so my living room is kind of an arcade right now. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it's it's an addiction, man. If you get a pinball machine, you're going to have four before you know it, so. Or want four. So. That's exactly why I don't have a pinball machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an expensive hobby, but I guess better than crack. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah logical <laughs> crack is whack 
Oh, and uh, my my city games has actually been really really simple. I have not had a ton of time this week because I have been, well, I've just been eyeballs deep in a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but I have had a chance to jump into a little bit more No Man's Sky. Um, I mean that game gets so much flack, but the mechanics of it are just you know, they're they're entertaining. I I love the grind though. So that's I think I figured out why I like No Man's Sky because the game is a grind. It's just 100% a grind. And I, I love the grind. I think I figured, finally figured it out. Um, the only other thing I've been playing is a bunch of mobile games on the phone. Uh, I, I found a new one. It's called, oh, it's called, I can't remember the name of it, but it's kind of, it's kind of like your, your same, you know, uh, you know, match game. You just, you, but it's got a little bit of story behind it, which was interesting. Uh, I've been playing a bunch of Marvel Strike Force. Uh, I actually, so in preparation for today, I actually did fire up the old seventh guest game um, to play through a couple of puzzles, some of the ones that I memor- memorized. Actually, some of the ones I memorized and some of the ones I didn't memorize. Like, for instance, I'm never going to forget that damn kitchen puzzle ever in my yeah. life. Yeah, like, that's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm you, never going to forget it. It, it just... It, I don't know. It makes no sense. I, th- I think that's one you have to have a, a hint guide to because it, it's just so cryptic. It, it is. And the, and the solution's cryptic. cryptic. It is. And, and the best part is, is that, uh, so I couldn't figure it out. The first time I played that was a long time ago. Me, I can remember me and my mom sitting down playing the game and my mom was in college taking English. And that's the only reason that we actually solved that puzzle. Oh, wow. It was wild. It's kind of funny, uh, I, uh, my first introduction to it, uh, Cecil let me borrow it. And of course, since he didn't let me borrow it, he didn't have the guy to let me borrow, and I didn't have the internet. I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's pretty much my city games. I, I really haven't had much time to do much this week, but I've been trying to jump into some of the classics just to kind of just kind of keep things going. But anyways, you don't want to hear about me. You want to hear about our guest. So... Without further ado, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? We already heard you're from Iowa, so what else What else you got? Wow. Uh, you want to go like Zodiac and favorite color and that sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Favorite color, favorite okay. color, favorite favorite transformer. Yeah, enough, enough for us to sketch you out. Yeah, Sideswipe, definitely. Sideswipe or Sunstreaker, those are the best, best ones back in the day. Um, no, I'm just I'm a I guess I'm an average sort of guy with uh, three kids, a, a guinea pig. Uh, live in Iowa. I'm a software developer by day, and I make games at night. And uh, I'm kind of into cars, into video games. I'm sort of almost all in nerd. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Thirteenth All is what I'm working on now. We've been working on it for a very long time. Uh, we started on it like 15 years ago. Um, and that's coming out this Halloween. So pretty crazy time right now. And um, it started out as a, as a strictly fan made game, like freeware style fan made game, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, back in the day, um, trial, well, Trilobite sort of, it, they, they sort of disappeared and came back. And in the in the interim there, there was a kind of an attempt at a third game. And, uh, after that sort of fell apart, my friend had been working on a fan game for Quest for Glory, uh, an old venture, old Sierra adventure game, and he wanted me to join that. And 
you know, in, in the meantime, I was, I was, I was actively making games like just on my own, just kind of looking around. I, I thought, you know, I want to make a game that's just like the seven guests because I was such a huge fan of it. I guess maybe to those uninitiated, it was uh, a puzzle game. It was a horror game and it had like full motion video. So the actual story was played through video. You saw, you know, real characters interacting and uh, as ghosts in the game. And so it, to me, it was just, it just captured everything of what I wanted a game to be. You know, it was, um, it was a weird story. It was crazy puzzles. You know, um, I'm kind of into all kinds of games. I'm not, not shy about what I like, but you know, I like Mario and I like all that stuff. I like, you know, the shooters and I like all that, but to me, like the seventh guest just captured everything together. Everything like as, as it, to me, it's like an artistic medium and it's, it's weird. Cause when I talk to, I meet a bunch of people, you know, doing this and um, people come up to me and be like, yeah, I went into interior decorating because of that game, you know, or I went to software development because I played the seventh guest and I was so into games or I did, I started 3d modeling because that game just kind of launched me. And so it was, it was just, it's, crazy how it inspired like a career and, and I guess in some way they did the same with me. So yeah, I wanted to start a game and I wanted to make a game very similar, almost ripping off some of gas. And then when I heard about fan games and then when if the semi-official, it was official, I guess at the time, uh, seven guess three, um, was sort of dropped. I was like, well, why don't I just make a fan game of the seventh guest and, you know, just snowball from there. And, and now we're here. And I'm I'm super excited. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy journey. <laughs> I and I know you address this in your FAQ, but I mean I'm still hoping, and I'm going to ask it anyways, even though I know the answer to the question. But you know, Trilobite they wanted to create a third game, and and as you said, you know they that that just didn't pan out. Um, but is there any? Did did you take any of that storyline of their third game and put it into Thirteenth Dollars? This completely your own story like based on your based on your own ideas yeah it's it's completely our own story you know we had something in mind um from ages ago and it's it's essentially the same story that we had you know from from the beginning i mean it evolved over it it took several iterations but it's it's our own story and it was interesting because you know fan games are a big no-no it's weird how the laws work because um you know say somebody's going to make a nintendo as like a mario fan game um, if Nintendo were to allow that, then Mario would be become like common creative license, so anyone could use it. So companies really have to protect that. So if you're going to make a fan game, uh, you really have to get the approval of the license holder. It, it's just a really weird law that you know if, if if you would write something, you know, using somebody else's IP, like then that can become public domain. It, it's just crazy how that 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 law is, and I, I wasn't even familiar with it, but. Yeah, as as we started going along, you know, we we didn't have that license, and so we just always kind of lived in fear of, you know, whoever owns this IP is going to shut us down. We're going to get a cease and desist at some point. So we sort of uh, did our own thing off in the corner, <laughs> and and uh, that it went that way for several years. And then Rob Landeros, who uh, was one of the one of the co-creators of the Seven Guest, um, he he owns the IP now, and he contacted us and was like, "Hey, you know, guys, I appreciate what you're doing." We got to put a license to it, so they they granted us a license to just release the game as freeware. You know that that was fine for years, and then when they did, uh, one of the guys on our team was talking to Landeros about. <laughs> I don't know. They were of all things, they talk about religion, they talk about politics, and you know the two no no things that you talk about um, if you want to stay friends with people. But 
anyway, somehow that spitballed into, you know, hey, you know, maybe we could license the game and came to you guys and, and figure something out. And yeah, we eventually built them. Uh, they made, We made them a build of the game. And um, it was kind of funny because like we had just started over. We had, we decided like we're going to work on this, on this forever. We kind of put it down for several years and then we brought it back up again <laughs> found that like everything was outdated it was the the resolution was like strictly 800 by 600 uh, oh. resolution and it was all pre-rendered and um you know unity was out then which is a, you know a 3d engine so we thought you know we'll just redo it so we'd re- just redone this we're like on the cusp of getting this license and we just you know basically thrown everything out and started over and so we had to pitch. We pitch had to pitch them and, and prove that we could actually make a game. Then we also had to. Uh, we sent them a video. We sent them like a video of all the stuff that we'd done prior, and eventually won them over and and you know got the license to release a fan game. Yeah, but like we we've always had our story, and it's always been our story. And um, you know the thing about the license we have is that um, our game is not canon. It's not official. It's still a fan game, so it kind of stays true to that indie spirit. And it's kind of you know the game we want to make. And the story we want to tell and uh so in ways it's, it's kind of cool that it's it's you know just our own thing and it's not uh it's not something we took or was even inspired by anything that um trailer bite really had written as far as a, a proper sequel yeah i'm, I'm uh i i forgot what i was gonna say sorry d you were about to say something yeah i mean the uh the atmosphere uh from those games were just um amazing uh, which was really exemplified by the uh, the music composed by Fat Man in the original. Um, it was haunting, set the mood for the game, and Chris uh, Borman has really captured that uh, from the tracks that we sampled. Uh, can you tell us more about uh, Chris and uh, their involvement in the project? Huh. Yeah, Chris. Uh, he's a he's an interesting guy. He's um, he's a composer who lives in Germany. I think he'd be he's sort of like uh, he would assume that you're patronizing him by. <laughs> By hearing that, because he's one of those guys, it's like it's it's you know he, he creates this awesome stuff and and these this ama- these amazing tracks and kind of you know in, in addition to that I can kind of throw him like you know other stuff like he did a bunch of animations in the game he did a bunch of um, he did most of the trailers for the game and like he you know helped me with some of the puzzles and I, I'll throw him some ideas and he'll he'll spin them back and he he wrote a lot of the game too and so but but he's also one of those guys and he's kind of like me like. You know, this is like a creative type who's just like it's never going to be good enough, and we'll always see the flaws. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, he's 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 awesome. But he, we've never met, which is kind of the strange thing about the whole project. I've only met one other person <laughs> on the team, like face to face. Otherwise, we're just on the internet, on Skype or Discord. So it's a really bizarre working structure, I guess. But uh, yeah, Chris, I don't know his his work's amazing. I'm super proud of it. I think he he wanted to capture something different than, you know, just rehashing the original tracks. And I really yeah. think he has, but he's also stayed true to, you know, the seven guest universe. And, you know, it, it's been interesting, like the, you know, developing this game, it's, it's a roller coaster. Sometimes it's, it's like, it's like being in a candy store or like, like Christmas morning. Cause like you just get things, you know, just media or, images or 3d models or you know new code or new puzzle design you know chris's stuff is always on point and you know whenever you get a new track it's just like oh man holy shit it's this is awesome you know we were we were to the point where we were like we we're putting in all the final videos in the game and then he decided well i'm going to rewrite 
you know, I'm going to write tracks for each video in the game. And I, you know, I kind of said like, you know, that's really not that necessary. We'll just play the regular track, but man, I was wrong. Cause like we'd have this video and it'd be playing for forever. And every time we, you know, played through the game, we'd see the same video. And then, you know, the new tracks that were synced with, you know, the, the audio with the, the actions in the videos just brings it to another level. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tremendous. Like, I don't know. He's, he's, he's a, he's a really eccentric guy. He's, he stays off the grid. In fact, um, we, interestingly enough, we, we got to a point where we had to write a contract where we had to name him. And he, the only reason he ever gave me his name was so that he could get like a, like a royalty check. <laughs> but other than that, like he just wanted to be like completely like off the grid. <laughs> so He sounds like a really neat guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's smart and he's, uh, he's, He's uh, uh, just he's he's funny. He's smart and uh, cynical like me. He's good to work with, but uh, I think he he doesn't take my shit very well. So <laughs> I, I can tend to be like very not not forgetful, but like uh, kind of kind of like a squirrel, you know, like jumping zigzagging from you know this or that, or like my ideas today are not going to be the same ones they're going to be tomorrow. So I can you know he can get really frustrated with that, <laughs> and understandably. Yeah, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty cool guy. Now, other than the previous games, do you happen to know where you guys, your whole team, pulled more inspiration from? Um, as far as well, I kind of, I guess, you know, like the, the the puzzles or the story or what do you think? I'm thinking along with like the, oh, the music, the background sounds, and the ambiance of it. Oh yeah, I think I think we wanted to we wanted to tell a story that was you know, in the seventh guest universe, but very much our own story. And, you know, we really like this, the seventh guest 11th hour. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, you know, it's nice to be back in stuff mansion. Uh, it's nice to be in that environment and with those characters, but, uh, I really like, you know, the seventh guest is, you know, near and dear to my heart. So we wanted to kind of, kind of stick closer to that. Cause I think that's just a classic game, you know, it's just the, the pace, the ambience, the, you know, just the kind of the, the less is more sort of just being afraid where you are so we, we we wanted to capture that sort of feel and you know we i, I think I, I like and this is one thing that chris doesn't honestly is like the classic puzzles are like the chess the cards you know stuff like that and so you know we we've i think we've got a, done a nice job of you know taking puzzles that are similar to the other ones and sort of and definitely the same wheelhouse but unique and and taking puzzles that that existed there and, and tweaking them and then creating our own and then having a nice set of, of some that are those classic cards and chess and chess pieces. And uh, then, you know, other things like the inside of a refrigerator on a spider web and stuff like that. So uh, we kind of drew it from all over. Yeah. I think, I think I'm kind of rambling at this point. No, I mean, I, I, I like to always find out like where people pull inspiration from. Cause it's, it's it's fascinating to me to see where some of that comes from. Yeah, and it, it's 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 interesting. Like that we pull. I mean, probably told this story several times, but you know, like one of the puzzles we I was just driving down the road. I'm in Iowa City, so like I got to the end of a the street, and I was gonna. I got to a street sign that said, you know, Des Moines, turn left here. Chicago, turn right here. I don't know some other little town. You know, go straight, and that became a puzzle. You know, it's like. What if you have a board where, you know, you have objects that are a certain distance from each other and you have to place them such that, that they're all match that distance. And, uh, 
So it's interesting. So how something like as mundane as that can become, you know, an idea for a puzzle. We were out with a, or with my kids, like, and kid had a placemat, and like, there was a really, you know, it was kind of a rickety place with just like Xerox copy of some stupid thing just to keep the kid busy, and it was obviously had, you know, zero artistic uh, inspiration or creative, you know, anything. But they had a puzzle where you cross out, and if it was just like a letter puzzle. And if you cross out any, any letters that existed twice, then um, it revealed a, a hidden message. I'm like that's brilliant. You know, even though this thing is garbage. So those sorts of things kind of inspired, um, you know, new, new ideas that just kind of snowball and add more and more. And then, you know, on top of that, it's like where can we apply um, idea and, you know, like the, the road signs yeah. one became, you know, blood in a bathtub with eyeballs that have you know different markers on them so it's it's kind of crazy how like a, a street sign in a road you know turned into you know bones and eyeballs in, in a bath of blood yeah, which i thought was wicked cool that brings me to a, a question right there um speaking of puzzles uh with like all the puzzles between the original games and your fan base game uh, did you have a favorite puzzle for the first uh, um, game? Man, when I think about Seventh Guest, I think about the cake. You know, two skulls, two stones, the rest is just icing. And that, I don't know, to me, that is the Seventh Guest in a core. Um, it's one of the first puzzles in the game. It's fairly simple. You know, after you after you figure out what the puzzle is, you know, I think part of the brilliance of the Seventh Guest is, like, you're just thrown into this space and there's these things here and you have to figure out what they do and what happens when they interact. And uh, that's been kind of a challenge for us, honestly, because, um, you know, that was 25 years ago where like there were no hints, there were no clues. There was just like, here you go, figure it out. And uh, I don't know, in, in 2019, I'm not sure if uh, millennials and, and, you know, people who are, and, you know, the languages games of games have changed. So we sort of were kind of a little weary that, uh, Maybe that won't go over as well as it did back in the day. So we've we've got a, a couple. We've got like a hint system, and that uh, sort of helps with that a little more. All right. Um, you know the cake's a lie, right? <laughs> it's a lie or a lie? <laughs> no, a lie. lie. Old joke. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So I, I believe I got this right. You have uh, twenty puzzles going into this game. Um, I think. We technically have 26, though I think we're going to drop one at the last minute, so we'll wind up with 25. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, well, that brings me to the second part of my question. Uh, do you have a favorite game at, or a favorite uh, puzzle out of the, the ones you're adding to your game? Wow. Oh, man, that's a good question. Or, or just a, a game or a puzzle uh, in the game that stands out more than the rest? Yeah, um, man, I don't know. They're all kind of my babies. <laughs> I, I designed <laughs> most of them. <laughs> um, so uh, there's one at the very beginning of the game, and um, I had seen this video where um, it was like it was parkour and it was animation, and so um, essentially, like this, these character would jump across walls and up. You know, you know, parkour. He would do that sort of thing, but it was all done in like a flipbook style. So like there wasn't really it wasn't necessarily animated. It was just a video, and a guy would like reach down and like unfold a flap of piece of paper, and it would show a character moving from 
you know, the first first frame sort of to the second, wherever you unfolded it, the character would appear. So kind of one of those that I'm really fond of is is a puzzle that's is based on that, but simple. It's really simplified heavily so that it's, you know it's more puzzle and it's easier to it's easier to understand you know how it's going to flow because this one was kind of all over the place. But I'm pretty fond of that. It's it's actually one of the first puzzles on the game, depending on which door you go into. And you know designing it now, it was kind of tough because you know you want the player to have you know kind of an even kind of a slope and difficulty you want a really easy puzzle but i was really i made it way too difficult <laughs> you know at, at the beginning it was it was so hard <laughs> and there were so many red herrings harder than the cake puzzle yeah and, and it was like there were so many red herrings and so many like misdirections you could go and it's like man i gotta i gotta reduce this down so i reduced it down quite a bit but it's, it's still a little tricky but it's like you know you can go you know three or four different ways wrong but you're generally going to find it if you you know keep clicking around enough so yeah, that I'm really fond of that one. I like the bathtub one a lot. It's really tough. Man, there's one where you have to, you know, swap knights around. It's at the base of the stairs. You'll probably see it in the trailer that's coming out soon. But there's like some knights that you have to just swap around in just a, a three by three grid. That one's pretty tough. Well, I wouldn't even say say it's tough. I don't know. It's it's, t- it's hard for me because I've played these so many times that I know the solution immediately. <laughs> you know, I know how to solve them. It's sort of like that that kitchen puzzle. But yeah, I'm, I'm, there's quite a few of them that I'm really fond of, and one I'm not. <laughs> so we're we're probably gonna drop that one. <laughs> Modify quite a bit. All right. But we have th- three weeks left to do it, so that's down to the wire. All right, that brings me uh, to my wrap up for you. Um, were you able to uh, visit the the uh, Jacksonville, Oregon, uh, Noonan house? No, I've wanted to. Um, in fact, I've got. I've I've never been to the Northwest, and you know, um, when when Rob Hirschbeck, the the actor who plays Stoff, when he came here, you know, I think the the invite is has been there for me to go, you know, hang out with him, and it's just something I just haven't had time to do. You know, developing the game is always it's kind of crazy um, how much of a time commitment it is, and uh, you know, it's like tomorrow night Guar is playing in Des Moines, and I oh nice, to go. I love Guar. <laughs> I just can't, I can't justify taking the time off to do it. I've seen Gore twice, so it's, and they'll be around after the game's out, but man, I really want to go. But anyway, um, I just haven't had the time to, to justify to go out and visit, although I, I need to. Because uh, Rob, Lander, Rob, Rob Landeros and, uh, you know, Rob are out there. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely need to go visit those guys and meet them face to face. Oh, nice. And, so and the like, house would be perfect too. So uh, you you fully intend to go out there then? Absolutely, yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I know Rob is Rob's a really cool guy, um, really down to earth, and uh, yeah, he was really fun to work with. So uh, it, it it'd be nice to, to go visit with him again. Well, that brings me on to my questions because, like, you just mentioned Rob Herbeck or Her. Oh crap! I screwed it up, guys. I knew I was going to screw it up. <laughs> Fuck. We told you so. Yeah. Anyway, like, just literally thinking back to some of the vocals that that you just hear from Henry Stoft. I mean, even you know, even in the second game, but like the first game, definitely some things just stand out to me. What was it like working with Rob? Was like, that just what was it like? Well, it's it's just a trip. I mean, the guy, he just he just has this commanding presence presence when he's on, you know. And, and I had known him. 
uh, as stuff, you know, I didn't, I'd known him as like this Darth, fig, Darth Vader sort of evil figure, you know, and I thought, you know, this guy, like somebody said, you know, you guys should get the original stuff. And, you know, we were running the Kickstarter and during that time it was like, you know, that's, that's something we should do. And I was sort of like apprehensive about it because like, and I don't know, <laughs> you know, this is like talking to Satan himself. And, but, and then one day out of the blue, I get a phone call. I was like, Hey, this, this is Rob Hirschback. How's it going? Like, what? And I'm just, I'm just floored, like, and, and like shaking, like, uh, uh, it's good. And here's, here's you know, Rob Hirschbeck, like, you know, stuff. And he's just like chatting with me about the weather and like, how are things going and what it's like in Iowa. And, um, you know, we hit it off pretty well. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's amazing. He's down to earth. He's, he's just a really cool guy, you know, and, and we, we filmed the game just on a shoestring budget. You know, we had, we had, uh, you know, all, almost all student actors, and we were in this kind of old, um, this building's actually being torn down now, but it was an old, like, psychiatric hospital, and um, it had been converted into, like, a like student uh, classrooms, and uh, it was just on campus at the University of Iowa, and in the corner of this building, we had this, you know, they had a, a green screen room, and so we were able to get that for free. And, uh, you know, do our work in there, but it was, it was a really rickety room. Um, it had this air conditioner hung on the wall. And so like when traffic would come by, you know, you could hear the cars and like the room, it was, you know, it wasn't like construction paper on, on a wall, you know, taped to a wall, but it was like, you know, a couple steps up from that. It was, you know, it was, everything was shoestring, but Rob was like, he came in and I was like, I just, just got, you know, I apologize. Like, this is what we got to work with. It's like, no, man, this is, this is what we do. And it was just like, wow, you know, he was so humble and so, you know, grateful to, you know, be part of this and, you know, excited about it. And, um, you know, we had, um, we shot everything in the span of like 10 days and he was there. And, uh, when he had downtime, he actually went to thrift stores and like looked at, you know, different costumes and different things that he could apply to. I think he bought like a pair of gloves to use in, in, in the shot, you know, we had a pair and he was like, well, I don't think that really is something that staff would wear. And it's interesting. Cause like I had never noticed, but he wears a ring uh, on his finger and it's like, it's a, it's a ring that's personal to him, but it's staff's ring. And he's, he's won that in every appearance that staff's ever made. So he had that ring and, you know, it's something that I wouldn't even notice, but it's something he's brought. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's just really inspiring to have somebody that, that humble, I mean, we were, we were like, we were just on a crazy schedule. You know, we were shooting like 10 to 13 hour days for almost a week straight. And at the end of it, Petter, the director was like about ready to collapse. And so was I. And, uh, you know, Rob's just like in good spirits and like chatting with everybody and like rubbing our shoulders and like, you know, come on, go team. He was just like a perfect mentor. And then he would get on stage and, you know, it's time to play stuff. And he would just like, the air would change. It's just like, you just bring this intensity to the character and just everything he said was like, Oh, I'm stuff, you know, I'm going to get you. And like, just, I, I can't describe how just like how everything changed on set, just working with Rob. And then, you know, you'd call cut and be back to normal. You know, he's like, I thought that was good. You know, let me do that again or whatever. And, <laughs> and so it was, it was just, it was really a trip. And like, he, He's just such a such a phenomenal actor. I you know I I would love to work with him again. I hope the next project we do, you know, if we 
if we, you know, can, you know, pick ourselves back up after this. I hope we work with him again because he was just such such a great person, such a great presence, such a great uh, mentor to the other cast and just, uh, you know, a role model to, to anybody who would be, you know, going into acting. He's like the exact sort of person that I want to work with, you know, you know, from here on out, just because he was humble, he was supportive, he was generous and uh, just a great guy to work with. It's fantastic. That's awesome. That that is wild, man. That is so wild. Sh- shoot a uh, horror game and then get Ghostbusters afterward. Do the uh, ghost <laughs> hunting afterwards. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the place we were, were shooting in, like, it was it was weird. It had like these old steel pipes. The the heat was like steam heat, and so the pipes would sort of like whisper. <laughs> you know, you when the heat came on, they would just make this odd noise, and the it, the building was so old that the glass. Um, you know, it's sort of like glass isn't as solid, so it sort of melts over time. Oh, yeah. The windows were like that. They were kind of wavy in, in some of the hallways. And it was just a creepy place. It, it, fit, it fit the game perfectly. But, yeah, I wouldn't want to be there by myself alone, <laughs> put, put it that way. <laughs> well, so, like, be, being a fan-made game, um, everybody loves Easter eggs. Are, are there any Easter eggs in the 13th Doll? Yeah, there's a handful. Um, you know, whenever I could reference something, I would, um, you know, without being, you know, plagiarism, um, you know, we've got, I mean, we've got obvious, pretty obvious nods to the original game. Like there was the, uh, the cake puzzle and we've, we've got a puzzle that's on a cake. Um, it's a completely different puzzle, but it's, it's, you know, it's still on the cake and it's still, you know, you still play. So it's, it's just a nod to the old games. Um, and we've got a couple other puzzles that are like that. Um, I'm a huge fan of Lost, so there's a couple of references to that. Um, one in particular that I won't spoil, but uh, yeah, that should be pretty fun. And then um, I'm kind of a fan of Damon Lindelof. He can be hit or miss, but uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Leftovers. It's That's my favorite show. It had this insane, um, uh, or this like beautiful, like stunning track, and like kind of similar to The Fat Man. Like when that track would start, it would just like, draw you in and uh yeah you just so um there's some sheet music that's kind of lifted from that a little bit um that's kind of hidden in the game somewhere um what else there's a there's a line that's from a deftone song so it's just kind of a line of dialogue that is so um it's just kind of here hit or miss kind of all over just little nods nods (laughs) to find well, yeah, I don't want you. To, some, I don't want you to spoil too many because, I mean, you know, for anybody listening, I definitely want them to dive in and find those Easter eggs. Um, yeah, right, right. So hopefully, the, hopefully the exploration is pretty cool. You know, that's one thing we wanted to keep kind of front and center is like um, not just you know going through the motions, but actually exploring and finding things. So um, part of the game is you actually the pieces of the thirteen dollars are spread throughout the mansion. So you have to go and it's sort of an Easter egg hunt to, to go find those. And there's some red herrings and some, there's some other things. And, um, you know, during the Kickstarter, you know, you offer rewards. And so um, <laughs> it was interesting. We had started offering like, uh, you know, your name on a tombstone in, in a cemetery we'll create or your name on a coffin or, you know, your face on a painting. And we, you know, we thought, when we initially did that, let's just price those so that nobody does it. You know, we'll put it like 300 bucks 
nobody's going to spend 300 bucks and, and, and do that. So you know, we won't have to worry about it. And then when we did those things, they sold out in minutes. And so we were like, <laughs> well, shit, we should do some more. And so we just <laughs> sort of went like, okay, let's do That's the coffins. Great. Okay, let's do the crypt. Let's do this. And then uh, the other thing was like, let's let's just have a plaque on the wall and we'll put people's names on it. And, um, you know, because we're just out of ideas. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to, in, you know, uh, offend anybody who, who backed that stuff. But, um, yeah, the, the plaque was just, I, I thought it was just a really kind of a dumb idea. But, um, you know, something we'd, we'll figure out later. And so, um, you know, as we got into it, we were like, well, you know, this really doesn't honor anybody who's us you know it's a plaque and that's cool but um what we actually did was we wound up taking their names and and scattering them throughout the mansion so like there's a diploma on the wall and it'll be by you know it'll be signed the president of the university would signed it you know and it and that name is was one of the backers and so you go through the game and and you, cl- you can collect those as well um and they're, they're just scattered all over um you know on pieces of paper just inscriptions on um you know, the manufacturer of a company, the name on some blueprints, just um, kind of stuff all over like that. So we thought that really, that really honored our backers, um, you know, more than just having a simple plaque. So there's there's kind of quite a bit to collect in the game. That's awesome. That's pretty clever. I really like that idea. Yeah, I, I really look forward to it. Um, well, speaking of that, like all the things that you just tried to throw in there, was were you able to get everything in the game that you wanted to, or was there stuff left left on the cutting room floor? Yeah, there's there's definitely stuff that we wanted to do. Um, you know, animations proved to be pretty hard. Um, animation. Um, I've I've got some acquaintances who work at you know Pixar and those sort of places, and you know, animation is so expensive and it takes forever. You know, typically an animator will spend, you know, an entire week to get, you know, between two and five seconds of animation. And that's not creating the assets that, or rigging the assets or, you know, doing any environment. That's just like animating the characters. You get like two and five seconds done a week. So, you know, it put us in an odd position. The budget was kind of a crazy story. But, uh, we, you know, we were, we were limited in budget and we did this thing on a shoestring and we sort of pulled favors and and... You know, everybody I could ask who who would work on it, you know, I asked. And uh, so there's a lot of animations that we, we kind of wanted to put in and a lot of things that would be really great that we just kind of dropped a little bit. Um, but largely, you know, the full story is there. You know, there's two playable paths. There's five different characters or there's five different endings. Um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, we've we've got the bulk of what we wanted to do there. But I, I think if if we really did what we wanted to do, we would be working on this another 15 years. So um, there's a point where you got to stop and, you know, it's like, this isn't ready. This isn't going to be ready. You know, got to kill your babies. Oh, and, and, you know, one reward we'd offered was, um, was uh, to certain backers. We gave them uh, the ability to design a puzzle. And so a couple, couple people took us up on that and um, they sort of gave us feedback and sort of influenced like the layout of the board that we have on a variety of puzzles, but also, you know, we gave them the opportunity to create one for their, for themselves. And the plan was to have, um, those puzzles once solved would unlock a secret ending, a sixth ending. Those, unfortunately their, their puzzles didn't really come together in in part because I don't know, it's tough to design a puzzle and get into that language. 
and, and but also, um, you know, we just don't have the resources to add that stuff, you know, that's that's not, you know, core to the game. And, and so they, they didn't come together for kind of a variety of reasons. And I'm really disappointed about that. I think we'll plan to add them as DLC because the sixth ending is, is pretty great. Um, it's simple, but it's it's pretty great. It's pretty fun. And uh, Rob Hirschback actually wrote it, you know, when he, when he came on set, he, you know, he read through the script and, and he actually made um, some changes to some of the dialogue. Wait, so Rob actually wrote a sixth ending? Yeah. And so, he, you know, we gave him writing credit for the sorts of things. He wrote the sixth ending and he wrote, he rewrote some of the dialogue and says, you know, I, I know this character really well. You know, he'd, he'd say it like this or he'd give it more gusto. And it's like, yeah, cool. That's awesome. Um, oh, that's so. wild. So yeah, there's there's a little bit, you know. Overall, there's there's not much we drop, but there's a little bit. All right. Well, I um I'm not much of a horror guy, um, as the guys know on this show. I, I I don't like getting the crud scared out of me, um, but I do like reading up on a lot of the different horror games. And uh, these guys have been telling. I've been hearing. I haven't heard the end of this. Like they go on and on and on about how great this series is. So. I'm kind of curious with the dark story that is the 13th doll and the games that inspired it. Do you feel that your mind has to become darker um, when you, uh, when you make a game like this, or is it more like a switch that you can turn on and off? Um, that's a good question. I don't, I don't think, I don't think, Except to answer that, like, there's a variety of directions to go. One, we, we pretty much wrote the bulk of it like a while, a while ago, like years ago. Um, although getting like the screenplay to actually film was another story, which is a good story. I can come to that. But um, I think, you know, we, we started out with a theme and, and Chris and I, you know, Chris, Chris Borman and I, we, we kind of think alike in some ways. And and we really wanted to tell, you know, kind of a deeper story than just, um, you know, good versus evil. Here's the bad guy. We got to beat him. And so we kind of tried to um, tap into some kind of kind of different themes. And um, I guess like the best way I could explain it is uh, my friend was talking to me about the game today. And he is, I said, I said, there's five endings. And he said, is there, is there a happy ending? And I was like, well, there's one that's not bad. <laughs> and so there's like four four dark endings and then one that's it's kind of kind of happy-ish so um <laughs> okay. i guess that, that's probably the best way i can kind of convey like how you're kind of mind and spirit but i think i think overall like it's kind of interesting you're sort of like developing the game you're sort of in the weeds you know where we're we're looking at this specific puzzle or this specific art asset or this specific texture or how this is looking or how the lighting is and so it sort of abstracts away a lot, a lot of that stuff. And you know, throughout development, we've had this in the last couple of years. Anyway, we've had this spreadsheet, just a to-do list of things to do. And that's we slowly whittled away at that. And so it's almost like we're looking at the zeros and ones more than where we are the story at, at, at some points. I guess that's probably not the answer you want to hear. But uh, I think I, th- I think our story is kind of like it's a lot. It's it's pretty. It's a, kind of a, a serious drama. Um, more so than horror, but I think there's some kind of spooky, scary stuff in it, and I hope uh, I hope there's some scares for people, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, I haven't. Uh, I think some people. Well, like I guess I 
as far as a scary game, like the neighbor kid came over there day and is like, he had never been in our house before. And he says, it's really scary in here. And it was just because <laughs> I was playing this game, you know, like the music was up and it was like a, a spooky game. And, you know, the lights were kind of dim so I could see my monitor. So, I mean, hopefully that's, you know, conveys that it's a horror game. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know you say this is more of like a, a serious drama, um, but it from the from what I read about the previous games that inspired this one. Uh, they seem to have like that typical horror element where you have this weak protagonist um, that barely overcomes the antagonist at the end. And most of the supporting characters just die. Like uh, I think it was the first one. Everyone dies except for this one person um, who's it's your ego. And then it's the boy's name who's I'm just it's slipping me right now. Yeah, Tad, Tad, um, yeah. That's it. Tad. So. Do you enjoy that element of horror or do you like elements of horror like Doom and Ash versus the Evil Dead where the the um the protagonist has a lot of power or is it more something do you like would be something like an anti-hero I think it's called uh I want to say it's Bright but I don't think that's the oh, right Oh yeah with uh Will Smith No that's not the movie Brightburn uh, that's a horror Brightburn, that's it. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't carved out time yet. Um, you know, God, man, I don't know. I kind of, I guess I wouldn't say I gravitate towards anything in particular, but I do sort of like, I mean, kind of the the shtick of horror movies is there's like a girl, look at, you know, like Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Cabin in the Woods. There's like one girl who's sort of weak and frail and she comes and she like, you know, knocks everybody out and, and, and you know, succeeds in the end. And I, I sort of like that. It's it's way too cliche, but a lot of horror is. I sort of like that, and I, I guess I do like stories where, um, you know, the character finds something in himself, and like by the end of it, he's he's risen above because like he's found, you know, that you know is his own strength. I guess, and I mean, I, I guess I would, you know, combat that with like, um, what's the Jennifer Lawrence series where she's pet Petra or something? She's like out like fighting other kids hunger games hunger games right yeah i think that i I really don't like that because it was just like deus ex machina you know where she's she's sort of just lucky you know she's not a very strong character at least in the first movie that was what i found you know it's like she's stuck in a tree and they're gonna burn the tree and kill her and she's dead and like oh there's a a beehive (laughs) over here cool then you know knock that down and that's that saves her so i don't i really don't like that but uh I don't know. I, I guess I guess I sort of like it all. Um, and yeah, we, we definitely had a theme where, um, you know, Tad is kind of, and I, I guess I always root for the underdog. That's why I'm a Cubs fan. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, and even when I'm even when I'm watching my team play, you know, you know, when when like the other team is down, it's the bottom of the night. There's two outs, the bases loaded, and I'm kind of rooting for that guy to beat my team just because it's the underdog. So I think nice. we we definitely have a, kind of an underdog story. I mean, Tad. He sort of pseudo survives the original game and is back, but he's definitely haunted by everything that the experience. And so kind of follow him as he sort of, um, you know, I guess builds his own strength. And uh, so I I guess that that sort of does identify with those those kind of ideas. I like that. I've never really considered that it's like uh, it's finding the strength within them themselves to get over this. I never 
horror has always been this uh, kind of uh, predictable formula for me, but I really like your, your spin on it. Yeah. Well, I really like, you know, I like um, like hereditary. Like I like where it's just, you know, off the rails, like crazy or something like get out where it's uh, I'm not sure the character finds something within himself, but like the, the universe is so bizarre and it, I like things that are just a little different like that. Very cool. So here you are. You're making the 13th doll. You're on the world famous GNA podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What got you on this path? Was it a game, a movie, a comic, a life event? Oh, man, I'm definitely a little neurotic. (laughs) I think that has a lot. No, I don't know. When I was a kid... um, I don't know. We, we always had a computer in my house when I was a kid and we had a Commodore 64 and now that's not so common, but, um, you know, back in the day, it, it was pretty rare to have a, a computer. And so, you know, I was all a nerd. I, I was, you know, this huge video game fan. I loved the arcades. I loved the Nintendo, original Nintendo and, and, uh, you know, even gaming on the Commodore 64 was amazing. Um, so I've just always been into games and, uh, I've always kind of had a flair for art. And so, just making games was kind of always what I wanted to do at some level. And then, you know, when, when I, when I got, when I grew up and went to college or whatever, I guess you don't grow up and go to college, you go to college and then you grow up. But, um, when I, when I was there, I, I studied art and, and computer programming cause there really wasn't a, you know, a game development curriculum at that time. I don't I'm not even sure there even is now here. I don't know. It's just always something I wanted to do. And it just kind of combined, you know, kind of my nerd skills and like, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of a storyteller, so it uh, it, it sort of allows. I mean, I, I just see game development as is like an artistic medium. I mean, there's games like Super Meat Boy that are cool and fun, and um, you know, I wouldn't call that necessarily like a high art. I'm not not digging that or anything, but uh, that's kind of what I want to do. I want to tell a cool story. I want to you know provide an experience. I want to challenge people, make people think in a different way, and I I really hope they do with this game. Because there's, you know, superficially there's a story, but then, you know, underneath there's there's more. There's more kind of complex themes going on. And I hope, I do hope people, you know, get that as they're playing. That's really cool, man. Now with uh, with today's tech, um, the decision to use the, the stop motion on, um, or actually the FMV on top of the uh, pre-render graphics, was that a, uh, a mod more, or a nod more to the aesthetics of the first two, or more of like, more of a technical... Um, a hurdle, so to speak. Well, I think both. Um, you know, uh, mo- motion capture is is difficult and it's expensive. You know, even one of the cheap um, motion capture systems was is like twenty five grand. So you know, it's Oof. it's out of our budget, and plus, you know, working in that, it, it's interesting cause that I don't think we had. You know, it's kind of the team we have. Um, and what, what's available to us. So we were confined by, you know, certain certain things like that, you know. So when you do motion capture, you know, it basically creates a 3D model of what's there. But then there's a bunch of, you know, it's called artifacts, just like glitches and things that you have to fix. And so, uh, um, you know, we would have had to hire somebody who was really, really good at, at 3D, you know, at um, organic 3D and... Um, We've always struggled with that. We always struggled with finding artists, even now. Even that's kind of you know it took four years after the Kickstarter, and most of that was because we didn't have an artist that we could depend on to do stuff. So I think the film really 
the film really solved that in a lot of ways because you know FMV game. It you know the seventh guest was an FMV game. I really couldn't imagine another any other way. Yeah, very true. Although we did try, we did try a one two three D, just like photogrammetry. Um, so there's a character that's like dead on the floor, and so we took a bunch of photos of him. We ran it through the software um, that was supposed to make a three D model, um, but <laughs> it just it didn't work out. It it just looks terrible, and so um, we had to scrap that and kind of do a more of a traditional model um, for that for that character. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it, it's interesting how we're going for as as you know as as much real as realism as we can. But we're definitely an indie studio at the same time, you know. And sometimes I think like, God, this doesn't look good enough. And I, I notice all the flaws, and then I think about it, like, you know, sometimes I you know you just gotta stop and like pat yourself on the back because we've done something that's just you know tremendous. You know, I'm really proud of actually what we've done. You know, we've got the, the entire mansion, you know, an asylum, the One World Toy Store. We filmed, like, nearly two hours worth of footage, you know, final edited, you know, rotoscoped um, in-game footage of, of the story. So it's an entire film. It's an entire game. It's, it's a massive undertaking. And, you know, so sometimes it's like, take a look back and it's like, holy shit, this is, this is way more intense than I ever thought it would be. But I think I'll always see, you know, kind of the, nitpick the flaws and uh hopefully i hope people enjoy the game and i, I, re- I really do and I, I think they will but uh yeah i think i'll i'll always be kind of hindered like yeah that could have looked a little better we could have done a little i know i'm looking forward to, i'm sure i'll enjoy it that's for sure <laughs> i hope so yeah do you guys have do you get ping me after the show and we, or after the podcast and i'll get you guys some steam keys oh that'd be wild man oh wow wow thank, thank you, you yeah, that'd be so amazing so, uh, with the uh, the game nearly at the launch point, um, do you have any aspirations for something after this? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, people people ask me that, and it's like, what are you gonna do after the game? And like, oh man, I think I'm gonna go outside. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> get away from the screen, um, take a nap. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, play some video games. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I've, you know, I've, I'm, I don't know. I've got, I've got a ton of things I want to do. Like my kids sit around and they're, they complain they're bored, and I'm like, dude, boredom is a luxury. Like I have so many things that I want to do. Like I thought about building a pinball machine, you know, homebrew pinball machine. I thought about, you know, I've got a car in the garage. I need to work on an old Mustang. Um, you know, I Ooh, thought about nice. building new houses and like. There's a thousand things I want to do. Like maybe I'll write a film or maybe I'll write a comic, but um, I don't know. Um, we'll have to kind of see like how well the game does. And, and uh, um, cause I, I'm, I'm really worried that after all this just break even as far as financial, you know, and um, I hope I'm able to pay, you know, the guys who helped me um, like Matt, Matt Gottschall is a, is our programmer phenomenal. And he puts in a ton of time and, Chris Borman is, you know, an amazing composer and, uh, we just got a, you know, a, a good, and Petter is, is amazing too. And, uh, I hope I'm able to, you know, throw them some cash and, to, you know, to say thank you for everything you put in and, you know, maybe there'll be enough, you know, to fund a, another project. But I think whatever we do would, would be in the same wheelhouse. I think I like FMV. I mean, filming the game was really fun. 
it was just a great experience. The whole thing. It was it was an endurance race. I mean, we, like I said, we did we shot like eighty five hours of, of footage in, in a week. Oh my god! And yeah, it was insane. And you know that was that wasn't on the actors. That was on me and Petter. <laughs> so we, you know we'd have call sheets like the uh, you know the, the actors would come in and do the roles and go. You know, so me and Petter were just like. We have this time, the space for a limited time. We got to bang it out, and we just keep, you know, doing takes until we got it right and got what we wanted. But it was, st- it was so much fun, you know. And it was, it was kind of interesting as we were writing. Like we, we'd had the plot completed for years, you know, but then it came down to a point where we needed to, um, you know, write dialogue. And so, really, all that was left in the game was dialogue. And so, we hired a writer and. I gave her a little bit of feedback. You know, she, she had done a, pho- a phenomenal job. And this was just writing dialogue. You know, it was very simple. She'd done a wonderful job writing these characters, but she had sort of taken, like, there's a character in the, in the game, Dr. Thornfield, and he's supposed to be just a cranky old asshole. And she had kind of written him, like, as this, this grandfatherly kind of nice guy. And so I just kind of, like, he needs to be kind of a jerk and kind of gave her some kind of light feedback. You know, I love what you're doing. This is great. Um, but yeah, just this needs a change and a couple other little things. I never heard from her again. And so, um, you know, it's like as a writer, you got to take a little, little bit of feedback. And it wasn't even negative. I reviewed stuff and I was like, was too hard on her? But yeah, she never, <laughs> never disappeared. And then like, or she disappeared. And um, then so we hired another guy and it was, he was a student and um, his, he'd submitted some work and I read it and it was, it was great, you know? And so we, we gave him, it was spring break week. You know, and so we were we were fighting time because like we had all these student actors, you know, as of like May 8th, they were going to just scatter, you know, all over the world, like graduate and just leave. So then we'd have to recast everybody. So we were like under the gun. We had to do this. And so writing this stuff and um, we're trying to hire a writer and we give it to this guy. and He comes back and he's what he submitted was exactly what I gave him to begin with after two weeks of work. And finally, I was like, man, somebody's got I'll just do it myself. So I jumped in and I just wrote the dialogue and I banged it all out. And um, there's two paths in the game. Um, you play as Tad or as Doctor Doctor Richmond, and they they weave in and out. Uh, you know, and they you know um, kind of see each other in different rooms and stuff, and interact. And uh, so I, I wrote, I finished Tad's story on on Tuesday. I finished the Doctor's story on Wednesday, and we shot on Thursday. Holy <laughs> crap! It was, that's yeah, it was insane. insane. And that, that, that's just like the whole story of this game. It's like, it's like, you know, roller coaster. like, Oh, we got a writer. Oh shit. Like, Oh, we got another writer. Oh shit. Like, Oh, <laughs> this has got to be done. I'll just do it. Bang it out. And I think it, you know, it honestly worked out really, really well. Um, because I, it just didn't give me time to think and overproduce and, you know, um, you know, make this just like kind of a manner manufactured kind of feel. It's got kind of a raw feel to it just because, so much dialogue and the the actors themselves like had almost no time to prepare because they would you know I, I gave them the script the night the day before you know and then we're shooting and so they've got these these dialogues that they you know it, it just had this really raw feel to it but it was just fun it's like flying by the seat of your pants and i really think it made the game better to have have the game like written in such a such a chaotic but sh- but short kind of window and uh and I, I'm really proud of it. I think it all came out really well. Sounds like what GNA needs to send you is a pair of Dr. Scholl's inserts. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I, it's something. I can definitely say from from my point of view, I am super excited about the game. Um, I can't wait for it to come out. Is there anybody else that I mean? You've already mentioned a couple of people like uh, like Borman. Is there anybody else that you like give a shout out to that uh, that I don't know anybody? I mean, geez, I don't know who. Oh I'm... wow, I'm in a balk at this man. That's a great question. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I always forget somebody. I don't know. I think the cast was great. I think um, you know everyone in the cast was was really great. Hunter Mencken was really fun, and Matthias Blake. They're the, kind of the two main characters. And they were phenomenal, really fun to work with. I'm going to forget his name. Um, but yeah, the, um, who else I want to shout out? I don't know. Chris Weitzel and James Brady, or not James Brady, James um, Bateman are kind of our two regulars. Uh, it, James does art and Chris does kind of the marketing. And, you know, they've, they've stuck through it throughout. So, you know, I, I appreciate that and all the time they put in. It's interesting. I've got like David Hattori is this phenomenal artist who did a lot of the stuff. He's he actually lives in Japan. And then I've got like my friend Dave Center. You know, he came in and he did a couple of animations for us that are just you know knocked it out of the park. Look fantastic, and uh, I, I hope people really enjoy both of those because I'm really proud of the stuff he did. Man, uh, I just talked to uh, this guy Ian Carlton who helped Chris compose some of the music. He's he's sort of like disappeared like ages ago from the from the project but just kind of reconnect with him to kind of touch base on where we were with everything and he was he was really gracious and you know signed off on letting us use some of his tracks so he's his his some of his compositions are in the game too um and those are really great as well man i don't know there's there's just there's so many people that came into this oh you know petter I, I couldn't have done it without petter petter is the director and you know i just thought like you know i'm a i'm a programmer you know, we've got Matt too. He's 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 a better programmer than I am, and uh, we you know we'll find artists, and uh, we've had some good artists on the team too. And but you know, I thought we thought filming is going to be like meh. We'll just we'll just do it. You know, we'll just find it. But I was just amazed like how you know the Petter did all the casting. You know, he found somebody to do the costumes. Erica Cole did all the costumes, and there again, she knocked it out of the park. But yeah, Petter was just really like he did all the, the visual effects. He did all the rotoscoping, which is going frame by frame and cutting out all the bad pixels from the green screen process. And uh, you know, and, and it's just assembled the whole team. He scheduled everybody. He just he, you know directed the directed it. He directed like the sound, like the me holding the boom mic. He'd be like, "No, this needs to be here." Or me holding the light or turning the light where it needed to be. And yeah, Petter's like just a godsend because I, I couldn't have done it without him. And, uh, you know, Chris Weitzel is, is the one who talked to Rob Landeros, and he's the one who's got us a license, license to release the game in the first place. So I do owe him a big thanks. And uh, I don't know, there's just been a ton of people along the way who have helped. I'm sure I forgot a ton of people. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's been a, a, big, a big production. At least 50, 60 people worked on this game. Well, dude, man, that's that sounds wild. Like a great team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's a roller coaster. It's uh, it's been interesting. Well, as I say, that brings us. Uh, I mean, we've already held up your time so much, so we're gonna wrap this up. Blue, where can people find you, at, man? Ladies and gentlemen, you can find me on the GNA Podcast Discord, and you can also find me on Twitter at Blue Shark Forty Five. What about you, Zyberman? Where can you find Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. Well, what? What I missed? Hold on a second. One freaking moment. 
you know what? Today is October 8th, and that means it is Cecil's birthday. <laughs> so, on behalf of the cast, happy birthday, Cecil. Thank happy birthday, happy birthday, birthday, Cecil. You smell like a monkey, and you smell like one, too. <laughs> Thanks, man. I guess we're not very musical. <laughs> right? Where can people find you at? You can find me uh, trolling the GNA Twitter, uh, Discord, as well as the Zyber Games. Uh, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Discord, all that stuff. Very nice. What about you, D? Where can people find you at? People can find me on my website, Microbird Gamers with a Z instead of an S dot com. You can also find me on Twitter, uh, sometimes Twitch. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. I've got my own Discord, but I'm mostly on the GNA Podcast Discord. Very nice. Ryan, where can people track you down if they want to? Thank you. Yes, I, you can track us down at the 13th dot com. We're also on Facebook at uh, the 13th Doll, you know, Fan Game of the Seventh Guest, and uh, Twitter as well. So. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Very cool. Thank you for being on. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Thank you, sir. And I'm Cecil Xavier, your host. You can find me on Twitter on Cecil vs. Games and Cecil Xavier everywhere else. Uh, Facebook, Ustream, tw uh, Twitch, Mixer, all those places. So we hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Reviews help people find the show. So if you enjoy listening to us, let people know. You can find us on iTunes with Google Play Music, or sorry, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Player FM, Spreaker, MyTuner, Your Listen, Spotify, iHeartRadio, a whole bunch of other places. If you can't find us someplace, let us know. We'll upload there. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Just search at GNA Podcast, all one word. You can also join the Discord chat. See that pinned tweet. We do a horror movie night every second Saturday of the month. Uh, in fact, the next one's coming up. Uh, if you're listening to this, you've probably already watched, but we're doing the Wolfman. Zyber, what are we doing? Uh, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. And we are doing the uh, Boris Korolev, uh, the mummy. Nice, nice. All old flicks, like 1930s, 1960s flicks. So join us for that. We also do game show night where we give away free Steam uh, codes for anybody who plays and wins. That's the first Saturday of every single month. So join us there at www.mixer.com forward slash GNA podcast. We have partnered with Humble Bundle. Hey, Blue, can you tell us about Humble Bundle? I can tell you about Humble Bundle, Cecil. Humble Bundle is a game buying service, except there's a little bit of a twist to it. You purchase your games like you normally would, but you determine where your money goes. Do you want it to go to the publisher, the developer, or some charity that Humble Bundle is sponsoring for that specific game? Or, in the case of us, if you add question mark partner equals GNA podcast at the end of any Humble Bundle link that you find, you can help us support our charity, which is Extra Life. Just slide that slide her over to the side and give some money to the charity that we're supporting extra life and you can help us go far in fact this month you've helped us raise 45 dollars and 58 cents you guys are awesome keep it up i know i know cecil and i are great <laughs> it's only the eighth of the month too so we have plenty of plenty of october to go so definitely keep giving and uh, it's all about the charity that's what we're all about do you like anime? Because we like anime. Join us every Wednesday night at 19.30 Eastern Time for Anime Night, hosted by Blue Shark. Uh, what is our current anime, Blue? 
Our current anime ad, I cannot remember the actual like English translation of this game, but it's called Hensuki. Um, it's pretty uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> to say the least. Basically, it, it's, a, uh, it's a boy who really wants a girlfriend, and he finds this love note left behind by someone who does not sign it and a pair of panties and he's basically <laughs> trying to track down this girl <laughs> and they cover all the different fetishes it's not porn it's not hentai it's just very mature <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say yeah it's definitely a weird one i i i've, I've unfortunately been showing up late to him so i've got to backtrack and rewatch. but it's definitely interesting i think this one was suggested by god wasn't it Yes, like all of our great animes. Yeah, like every great anime we have, it's suggested by God. Uh, we want to thank Morgan BS Photography for our artwork and logo. You can check him out at morganbs.com. You can email us at gnapodcast at gnayourdna.one with questions, comments, death threats. We don't care. We'd love to hear from you. Last but not least, check out our website at www.gnapodcast.com. We keep some photos up there as well as a listing of every single show that we have uh, including this one coming up. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Ryan, dude, thank you so much. You have literally made my day. You have no clue. So thank you so much yeah, for joining us. Yeah, this is us. one heck of a birthday present for him. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks again for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, it Absolutely. Fun. Thank you for coming by. Yeah, anytime. Anytime. Gentlemen, have a great night. You as well, brother. Night, everybody. Have an excellent night. 